Hello and welcome to the Undecided Podcast. I'm Logan. And I'm Natalie. And today we have our good friend Alexander Schutz on the podcast and she is an interior designer based in New Jersey. This is going to be a great episode for you. If you are interested in interior design at all or you ever want to be an interior designer as a career, she has some great tips and tricks for you. Hello, Alex. Welcome to the Undecided Podcast. Great name, ladies. Thanks. Alex is extremely pregnant. Seven months? Eight yes. months? Eight. Eight months. If pregnant. we're going by the 10 month. Eight months, but she looks like she's five months. The dress she wore yesterday, you, if you're looking at her from the front, doesn't even look pregnant. <laughs> I I'd tell her to turn to the size so we could tell. I look more pregnant. No, you don't. Maybe in that. No, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyways... So happy to have you. I can't wait. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from. So my name is Alexandra. I'm from New Jersey. And I'm married to my husband who is in construction. I'm in interior design. And we are starting a family in December. Alex and I met on Bumble BFF five, five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. My ex-boyfriend told me I needed to get my own friends, so I downloaded the app, and Alex asked me to come and watch The Bachelorette with her. Eat some Domino's? Domino's that she asked for extra cheese, and it was swimming in a swampy pool of cheese and oil. Gross. And her... You guys weren't engaged yet. No. Boyfriend. Boyfriend at the time. Really? Yeah. Nathaniel. He was hiding in the next room, so I wouldn't I made him stay in there. (laughs) And I was so shy. I literally got there 30 minutes before, sat in my car. And I was so nervous to go in. I was like, am I really going to go in right now? And that's how we so then she came in, had some pizza and watched Bachelor and ever since. <laughs> and now look at you guys. And now she's pregnant. And we were just in Vegas in February backstage at the Chainsmokers partying it up. Alex was sitting on top of the booth with a whole handle in her hand <laughs> pouring it into everybody's Wait, really? mouths no yeah you were remember and then pouring it into your own <laughs> and then pouring it into random strangers mouths what where at that other that second club where all the guys that set other table was so oh, full and it was yes. just and us and then, stealing our then you looked at me from across the table and words and started pointing the guy in the hat and was like oh that's oh, that guy's that- cute that's guy's cute come on natalie talk to him talk to him <laughs> and then he was so weird and, and then we did and you were like ew get rid of him get rid of him <laughs> and then he lost <laughs> he his like, money then he was like i'm getting on a private my private plane right now to go like to portugal or something you should come and i was like okay <laughs> and we were like natalie Get back. Get back. Remember how mad he was because of how much money you oh lost of his? What, $400? And yeah, I put it on the table. you lost it all. Lost it in minutes. She yeah. just went to Portugal and ditched Dipped. him and stole that private plane. <laughs> so, I have some questions for you. Okay. What first sparked your interest in interior design? Growing up, my dad was in construction and owned his own carpentry business. So, I always had an interest in it. And then throughout high school clueless on what I wanted to do, wasn't big into school, went to community college for about three months, then left, was nannying, met my now husband at the time, but or boyfriend at the time, now husband, who was pushing me to go back to school and asked me 
what my interests were, told him it was design. So then I went to school and got my degree in interior design. So is that a trade school? Like it's two years or is it four? So it's a trade school. You could go for two years or four. If you go for two, you get your associates. If you go for four, you get your bachelor's. But I just did two right through the summer. So after you graduate from design school, what is your first step? So my school sets it up where the last quarter, because it's quarters instead of semesters, you have to get an internship. So your internship kind of gears you up to getting a job. So I got a internship with a designer whom my dad worked with. And then from there, I just kept applying, finding other jobs, other interns, and continued from there. And what is design school like? Do you think like it set you up well or do you think you could have done it without? So I think I could have done without schooling. I say that now because I think everything I've learned to own my own business, I've learned working from people, learning what to do, what not to do. Mm. In school, you learn nothing about the business. Nothing? Nothing. Not even like... Nothing. Oh, maybe... Nothing. Pull up a contract. Nope. Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh At least in the in the program that I went mm. through, in the associates, they don't teach you anything. They teach you everything as if you're going to go work for a huge corporate mm. firm where there's hundreds of employees, nothing about business owners, nothing about how to charge, how to make money or a living in the business. Um, A lot of the classes are to get you to pay and are totally unnecessary. We had classes like color theory where you would blend paints Mm -hmm. and have to make like red turn to orange and turn to yellow. So things you could do in elementary. And other than a computer program or two, that's all I took out of it. And I learned everything working for the people that I worked with. So I own my own business. I opened it about 16 or 18 months ago and have been on my own ever since. And before that, you were working with other designers. Yeah, I was working as an assistant, then as a junior designer, senior designer, and then in a way, kind of a partnership. And then I went off on my own before I got married. What was it like working as assistant? And how did you get the job? So I had a couple. I had about four. I worked in California before. I moved back to New Jersey. So we're from Jersey, moved to LA, worked out there, then moved back to New Jersey. So I've worked with about four designers. I got two jobs through Craigslist, actually, I think. One job I got through a referral. One was somebody I knew, like a family friend and somebody my dad knew. And so working as an assistant, you really become the one that the clients are in contact with and everything. So that's where I really learned how to run the business because I was doing everything. It's not just like, oh, go get me a coffee and go go pick this up for me. Like you're doing a lot of actual like design work as an assistant. Yeah. In the beginning couple of jobs, I was doing like more of the grunt work because I didn't know as much. But mm-hmm. the more that I started to learn, I started to do more of the actual design work itself. So at what point did you realize, oh, I can break off and do this on my own? And then how did you do that? I would say I felt confident that I could be on my own after working for like four years under other people's wing, but I didn't feel confident in it because I didn't have the clients. I didn't have all the knowledge and I didn't have the funds to do it where I felt safe to leave like a guaranteed job. But then when I was getting married and my husband had work, I knew, okay, I need to be on my own. I can make a lot more and I think I've got it. So I went from there. And what was like the first step in separating and making your own business? When I was working with 
the last company I was with, I was very, very hands-on. I was almost running the whole business. She had another job as well. And a lot of the clients that I worked with, I finished up with them, but then they ended up coming back to me at a later date Mm -hmm. when they knew I was independent. I didn't take any clients from the middle of a job and bring them onto my you know, my end with my business. I had a couple of my own clients while working with her because I needed like some extra money and I had people who knew I was interested in design, was working in the field and they didn't have as high of budgets. So I was able to do what they wanted within their budget and then build a client base of my own. In your opinion, what's the most effective way to get new clients? Website, social media, word of mouth? I would say it's referral Mm -hmm. and like just building a name for yourself and having a good personal relationship with all the clients that you have because that's kind of what people want when you're working in their home. I would say most of my clients were referral. I got a couple via social media. I did like a couple ads. But other than that, I haven't paid for more than $25 in advertising. And I have a work Instagram page, but nowhere that I've really gotten business from. And you haven't like had anyone DM you and be like, oh my gosh, I love your pictures. Like I want to work with you. Maybe like on social media. Well, I have. I have. Mm-hmm. And it will start with just like advice or I love that chandelier. Where is it from? And I would tell them where it's from. They could purchase it through me. And if they want to move forward, then I've gotten them to say, oh, let's do wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And then it continues from there. What's the approximate length of an average project? So on average, I feel like every project's different because every single scope of work is different. Some clients call me in for just accessorizing. So that could take... A couple of hours. I could go to the store, get accessories, charge my hourly rate and put it together and be done. I could do one bathroom, which is picking all the material that goes into it. That could be a couple of days. But then the project itself is like the construction, how long it takes for installation, lead times on, you know, purchases. And then some jobs I have are going to be over a year. Some I just finished from when I opened my business. So... It really, there is no lead time and people always come back around. Right. Is accessorizing just doing little decor stuff on a room that's already done? Yeah. So some clients will call you in and say, I have my dining room. I love the way it looks, but I have all these shelves and I don't know what to put on them. I want things that are pretty, not just these ugly little accessories that I have. Can you go to the store? But I don't take those as often anymore. In the beginning I would, but now I don't. How much would you charge for something like that? So I usually work on a flat rate design fee, Mm -hmm. which is when the scope of work is large enough to say I'm going to work X amount of hours and it's going to take me X amount of time. But hourly, I would be around $175 an hour to work on a smaller project. In the interior design world, do people talk a lot about pricing and like, is there like a standard rate for certain things that you kind of have to follow? Because in photography, there's none. There's... No standard, but there are some designers who are incredible and opening up, you know, the eyes to other designers to kind of see that there should be a standard so that we're all valued at the same. Because if a designer is charging $50 an hour and you're charging $175 and your contract says you're going to complete the same amount of work, you need to prove why you're worth so much more. Um, When it comes to what you charge, it really depends, I think, on learning your client, how long it's going to take. How, what's the scope of work and finding out, giving them a questionnaire, are they going to make quick decisions? Are they mm-hmm. going to linger? I have clients who keep me waiting for months right. to decide on one item. 
So those are the clients that text you 45 times. Mm -hmm. So you have to account for your time and what you're worth. Um, But there is no set standard. And there's no way for even a designer like, you know, myself, there's no structure for my fees either. It's really just figuring out the client and what they need. So if you're shopping for somebody, are you purchasing the items with your own money and then bringing back receipts and they reimburse you or are they giving you money up front or how does that work? So it really depends. There's a couple ways. Um, if I do accessorizing, which I don't do often, mm-hmm. I do accessories at the end of every job. That's a full scope. I don't do many of the hourly accessorizing jobs though. If I do, I put it on my card. I give them receipts. They pay what it costs at the store. They just pay me for my time. Right. For my fees, if they are going to hire me, I take 100% up front because I give them the whole design right away. Mm-hmm. And then any product that they're purchasing, they have to pay 100% up front before mm-hmm. I provide the purchase to my vendor. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get it when so it's So you're ready. not like out of any money no. at any point nope. of the time. Like nothing's going on your credit card. No, unless it's them. just like accessories. Right. Yeah. And That's good to know. So I know that you make because we've talked about you make a percentage sometimes with your vendors off of certain or like how does that work so in the trade which is something that's a little unspoken of um is we have designer accounts with a lot of vendors Mm -hmm. so if you're a designer you have your tax id numbers you have all your information and you open up an account with a vendor who sells furniture to designers when you have those accounts they give you a designer discount it's up to you if you want to pocket the whole discount and charge the client retail, which is what they could buy the product for online. Or like I do, I give a discount to my client, but not the full discount that I'm given. So commission ranges on all product from 5% to 30%, depending on how strong the discount is that I'm given. And do you find those vendors through like, is there a website you can find them through or just like word of mouth? So I've learned a lot of like who to shop from based on knowing the high end lines in the industry. And then I have one person that I purchase every line with because they're a wholesaler of over like 400 brands. So So I just need to do one thing, one tracking device, everything, like one Mm -hmm. place to track every client order, every purchase, every vendor I shop. Now, interesting. I want to ask you a little bit about creative freedom because I know when you're doing a job for somebody, you have to follow their taste and kind of what they want, but then how much creative freedom do you have in your projects or do you really just have to follow their lead? So some clients will call me in and they say, so this is what I want. I have a vision, but I just can't like make it happen. So I always want to see their inspiration because it helps me like come up with what I need to design. Um, when they have inspiration, it's good. But then sometimes you design something similar and they're like, well, I want this mm-hmm. and show you the image again. And you're like, well, do you want the same exact thing? Because I could get you that. But I'm trying to come up with something <laughs> a little bit yeah, more creative. Yeah. Exactly like, this photo. Because yeah. I'm like, I can get you that wallpaper, that chair and that chandelier. And they're like, well, I'm willing to see other things. Mm -hmm. But some people have a very hard time on going off the original concept. So they see that picture and that's what they want. But they Mm -hmm. want you to show them something because that's why they're hiring you. Right. So with those clients, it's very difficult. With some clients, like I have an amazing client right now who 
trusts everything I say, my entire vision. She has wonderful taste, so I can show her everything. She'll tell me what she likes. And from there, I'll tell her what I think looks best out of her favorites. And we'll kind of go from there. But I have full freedom with her. That's great. And for the clients that kind of are more narrow-minded, do you really have to like pull and fight and just, you kind of don't even tell them what you're doing and then it all just shows up and you put it together and they're like, oh, I see it now. Or do you have to be like, okay, just letting you know, we're going to, I really think this lamp is going to look good in here. So depending on what the project is, if it's like a smaller one, say like a bathroom, I'll tell them, okay, these are my top three wallpapers. They're all very similar to your original concept. I'm good with any of them. This is the price for all three. Which one would you like? Mm. And I just need to let them sit on it because those are the people who need to like study the paper, hang it up in the room Mm -hmm. and walk Mm. past it every time they're in and out of the house. And then you have clients who you say, this is the paper. They say, okay, can I see a photo of it installed? You show them and they buy it. Right. And then they love it. So there's so many different types of clients. Is there ever one that you didn't like? You were like, oh, I just think it could have been better, but they just didn't want to budge. Yes, very often. That's actually a lot of reason why some designers don't photograph all their work Mm. because there's a lot of things that I've done that I do because I'm being hired as my profession to make somebody's house a home. So they have to love it. Yeah. Mm. I have to make them happy, but I might not agree with their decisions, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day... If they love it and they're going to refer me, I'm going to get a good review and everything has gone smooth. That's more important to me than like the end photo Mm -hmm. because we don't all love everything we do in our work, you know, but I just Mm -hmm. try to have it be a little bit of something I like or that I'm proud of because I don't want a referral based off of work that I don't want my name on. Yeah. I think that would be the (laughs) hardest hardest part. part. Because yeah. if you are looking at it at the end and they love it and you're like, oh, it just oh, could have been it. so much better. Yeah. <laughs> it just could have been better. So I think this is a perfect transition over to any juicy stories you have. Has there ever been a job where it was just a nightmare? Absolutely. I mean, what is the Tons. worst of the worst? No names. No names. <laughs> no names. But just, um, you know, how bad can you know, it get? It can get pretty bad, especially because I think when you're working with people in interior design everybody thinks it's glamorous you think Mm -hmm. it's like the tv shows it's not at all there's nothing glamorous about it until (laughs) the end of the day when the job is done and you don't hear from the client for like a solid two weeks and you know that they're they're gone they're happy they're happy which takes a very long time other than that it's nothing like the shows so clients do not it's very rare. It happens, but clients do not let you just come into their house mm. and do whatever you want. Right. It doesn't take one design for a client to agree on every single piece, and that's what they make it look like on TV. You know, you have to show a client more than one product. Nobody goes to the store and tries on one dress, one shirt, one pair of pants, loves it, leaves with it, and is going to live with it forever. So some clients that I have will – my contract, you know, to kind of back set bit, mm-hmm. um There's restocking fees on products when you purchase them from large vendors because a lot of items are called like our custom orders Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of stock goods. But if you order anything from a vendor, they charge a 33% restocking fee if you return it because you don't like it. Really? So that's in my contract. And every client signs that contract, but nobody reads it, of course. (laughs) So, and my contract's short, sweet, and to the point, but... Clients will sign that. They'll get their product. They'll live with it for months. And then I get a text that 
Well, we actually realized it was an impulse buy. Oh, God. We don't need it anymore. And they've had it. And they've had it. And I say, okay, well, you've had it. So you have to pay the restocking fee. And people don't want to. People don't understand why they have to pay the restocking Mm -hmm. fee. And this one client just went on and on and started a return binge. Months later, all of a sudden, every dining chair was lopsided. (laughs) <laughs> because they wanted to order from a retailer online and they put all the legs on the wrong way. Uh, and they told me every chair had a, um, like it was mismanufactured. Yeah. My husband and I picked up the chairs, gave them their money back, brought them to our house, put them in the garage, put all the legs on the right way, resold the chairs. Oh my God. They returned chandeliers, light fixtures, lounge chairs, Everything under the sun months later, just because they didn't want it anymore. And those are from your vendors? Most of now, them were. Some were retail. Is it possible that they found similar items for less and thought, mm. oh, let's just swap this yeah, guy right on do out? That? For the light fixtures and the chairs, there was no way they could have gotten them cheap. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, cheaper. The price that they paid was as cheap as cheap could get because mm-hmm. um, the budget wasn't large from the beginning. And other than that, I don't foresee this being like that being the case with this client. I'm sure people do. People like to shop around and mm-hmm. price things out. Mm-hmm. If you price it for 500 and they find it online for 480, they're going to ask you. <laughs> they're going to yeah. ask you to come down, which in my case if it's from a vendor, I would come down mm-hmm. because I can still make commission. But there's some things that are sold online and they have better discounts. Right. And you can't beat it and the client can handle the order on their own. Mm-hmm. And when a client returns something from a vendor, do you have to give back the commission that you made on it? Yes. Re- even if they've had it for e- six months. Yes. Ugh. So that's why a job really never ends because mm. you think you've, you know, made your commission and that's your profit and the job is over. And then months later, you're writing refund checks for a thousand, six hundred, five hundred, all these different items. And the good thing about it, though, is you're charging that restocking fee mm-hmm. and that restocking fee can cover a lot of oh that's good so the return so it, it saves it a bit so on the opposite end of the spectrum here what is your favorite part of your job that you love so my favorite part of my job is that every client's different everybody wants something different in their home so no design's ever the same uh, i love meeting with new people you know getting to learn a family, what they want, how they live and their lifestyle. And really just at the end of the day, giving them a place that they can call home and people Mm -hmm. come to and love what they're living in and want to know, oh, who did this? Where'd you get this piece of furniture? Mm -hmm. And then if everybody else loves it, then you get more jobs from it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what is the biggest project you've ever done? The biggest project that I've worked on is actually a current project. I've gotten it through an ad on Facebook that I put out about... A year ago was the first time I met her and we started the project, put it on hold due to things that she wanted to do in her backyard. So we were on hold for the interior and then months later we reconnected, rekindled, uh, ended up being her parents are going to start moving in with her. So we actually took the job from just a furniture job to a full construction project with architects and builders, contractors, and now it is a full about 6,500 square foot home Mm -hmm. and we're doing 
eight bathrooms, five bedrooms, all the living spaces. Wow. It's all furniture. Everything. And for that, do you have to oversee everything? Like you have to talk to the contractors and all the construction workers and kind of do you schedule all that or is do you all kind of work together? So she hired a great contractor who does all the contracting work, you know, everything that's mm-hmm. related to construction. I'm involved in terms of being there when they're talking about things that have a design element mm-hmm. to them. Like if we're picking front doors and trim work, those things are all interior. So mm-hmm. they are they fall on my plate. And then I like to be a part of all the meetings just to go over everything with the contractors make sure everybody's on the same page Mm -hmm. and the client's always there as well is it hard to work with contractors because I always hear people talking shit about contractors because like they're oh we'll have this done in a year and five years later it's not done so that happens often there's a lot of contractors that I wouldn't work with again and then there's some that like this one that I'm working with who has a great team great project manager and they're wonderful to work with they respond right away they're more ahead of the game than anybody but then there's contractors who are extremely unorganized Mm -hmm. (laughs) take absolutely forever to get things done never go back for punch list and just kind of leave the client lingering which puts a hold on the end of my list so punch list is like if the client and i and the contractor finish our scope we would kind of walk through the job together and take a look at everything that's been done and say paint uh tape the walls with like a little piece of blue tape if something has to be fixed Mm. so there's a dent here or this doorknob needs to be tightened just kind of going through the project and Mm -hmm. punch listing items that need to be repaired or Mm -hmm. finished because the contractor sees the whole picture and sometimes it thinks they're done but they need somebody to look at it more with a fine-tooth comb and mm-hmm. is it important to have good relationships with those people? Because can they refer you or can you refer them? Yeah. So a couple of the contractors that I've worked with, I refer them and then I can, you know, make a little off of their contract. Oh, so you get commission. Yeah. Oh. If I have a good relationship yeah. with them. And then one contractor whom I'm working with now has already given me four referrals. Wow. And I've only been working with him for a few months, but he sees how I work with my client, my client satisfaction, and our communication has been very good. So he's given my name out to a few people. So your job's like a lot of interpersonal relationships. It's only personal. You only want the personal ones because this way, if you get a referral from a client that you loved, you can only imagine, well, if it's her best friend and I loved her, she's probably similar. And then if you get a referral from a client that you would never want to work with again, you might be a little bit busier then and yeah. not able to take on the job. I'm sorry. I cannot take that yes, on right exactly. now. <laughs> so we always like to ask this, but what does a day in the life look like? I know that your job changes a lot, so it's going to be a tricky. Typical. But yeah. I Maybe mean, a couple days in the life. So when I'm working, it depends on my workload. Uh, in the beginning of the year before everything, you know, with COVID happened, I was extremely busy. I had my hands in about 14 different jobs, scaling from, like I said, just wallpapers to full homes. And it's waking up in the morning to a client sending you a text at 6 a.m. telling you that they want this door or this coffee table. And then I ignore it because I'm not waking up yet (laughs) (laughs) because I'm on my own schedule. So I will, you know, I'll see what they have to say and I'll kind of know I have things to get back to in the middle of the day, like responses and everything. I'll 
do some emails. I'll work on some designs. But I pretty much am always in constant contact with every client. Mm -hmm. They're always texting. Some people don't know about off hours. Right. Mm -hmm. I work clearly midnights and 3 a.m. It's not a 9 to 5. But I do like that aspect about it because I can feel comfortable texting my clients at 8 o'clock if I don't want to work in the morning and I want to work at night. So they're always ready to respond. And if they want to answer the next day, then that's fine. Day to day, though, I'm home. I work from home. Mm -hmm. My office is at my house. I will get up, make a coffee, do some drawings for clients, do some scheming, place some orders, running around to the bank Mm -hmm. and picking up samples, dropping off samples. But every day is different based on the client's. So it is pretty a pretty flexible job. Extremely, yes. And so you kind of just have like a deadline of a date where they want it done. And then it's just kind of, is it up to you to just divide your time how you think it'll, yeah. long it'll take to get there? Exactly. So if I meet with a new client and they sign my contract, I ask for about two weeks to come up with the design. It doesn't take two weeks right. to do the design, but I might not have any days free that first week. So I might not even work on their project from Monday to Sunday. And then the following week, I'll be full in for two eight-hour days, Mm -hmm. working on their concepts, their boards, fabrics, and finishes. And then I'll present a week later. So you already said that it's not as glamorous as the shows make it, right? Correct. Were you, did you ever watch HGV and stuff and all those shows that made it look so glamorous and you were like, oh, I can't wait to do this. And then your first job, you were like, oh, yeah. That's a shocker. When I always grew up watching like HGTV and all the home remodeling shows and thought it was beautiful and everything was easy and smooth and no furniture ever came in damaged or the wrong color. But once I started working, my first boss, who was wonderful, I remember she said something along the lines of, we got to a client's house and we had a trunk full of things and we're wearing heels or booties and we had to be the one to unpack mm-hmm. the entire car. And I was sweating, walking up and down a hill with boxes on boxes of accessories. And I remember she turns and she goes, I told you, it's not that glamorous. Mm. And since then, I was like, okay, it's leggings and jeans, uh, sneakers and sweatpants. You know, like I never got dressed up for another client meeting unless it was like a new client. Mm -hmm. But installs and job site visits, you're not in these fancy outfits. Like it doesn't look that way you know, in person and with the client. It's more so on TV. And then the glam of it, the end is the glam part. Mm -hmm. Like when it's finished and the photographer comes in and you're happy with the work, that's when it's glamorous. Why do you think those shows make it seem like so easy and glamorous? Because wouldn't it be interesting to see more of like the behind the scenes, like the heavy lifting and all that stuff? Not just like before walk through and after I think if they did it would scare people away from hiring interior designers really because a lot can go wrong yeah the overwhelming amount of work it takes to get there yeah it's like oh you think it would scare the clients off and yeah. not like the interior designer yeah that's interesting because I would have thought oh maybe it makes people not want to be an interior designer it might be that way too but I view it more so if a client's watching this show I have clients who say, well, I saw on HGTV and Mm -hmm. I just say, that's not real. (laughs) Like it's not going to happen in three days. Mm -hmm. And when I tell clients, well, it's going to take 16 weeks to get your furniture, they're dumbfounded. They can't believe that's even a number of weeks that they could wait. They think that the house is going to be done in six weeks. So I think it just gives a skewed vision Mm -hmm. for what the actual process is. And I worked with a designer who 
uh, when I was in California, and we did an episode on HGTV, and we filmed five days worth in two hours, outfit changes and all, and different. They made you change outfits. Yes, I wasn't on it. I was oh behind the gosh. scenes with her, and changing outfits, different conversations, talking about this, this, and that, and everything happened in five days. But it was really only right. a few hours at the house. Interesting. And that's when I really learned that, that it, it was wasn't real. Facade. Yeah. Yep. So what advice do you have for aspiring designers that are looking to break into the industry? So one thing before I give advice is I would say a lot of people think they want to be designers. And that's great because I feel like there's so many different styles out there. And we, as one in- independent person, can't nail every style like there are styles that I cannot design successfully because I have no interest in them right and if I were to get a client who wanted a traditional room I would most likely decline that client because I can't give them what they're looking for but there are a lot of people whom I know who think they want to be designers but they don't understand how hands-on it is Mm. because of how glamorous it does look right so I would just have the advice of know what you want to do before you get into it in terms of which yeah what style and what path you want to take do you want to be in the staging business do you want to be in the accessorizing and the what's called interior decorating Mm -hmm. do you Mm -hmm. want to do the final touches or do you want to be into the design where you're saying take down that wall put up that wall let's change the floors because then you're involved with the contractor so you have to become like a little bit more involved in the job So just know what you want to do before you take the leap. Right, because there is a difference between interior design and interior decorating. Correct. Yeah, big. So interior design would be more like... Structural, construction, AutoCAD-like drawings. Mm -hmm. And then decorating is pretty, like artwork and accessorizing. And I think that's where people lose sight of who they hire because some designers don't want to do that work. Right. Unless it's at the end of a design project. And what would you say your style is? Like, what would it be called? Hmm. You could say, <laughs> I love modern, but I do love transitional. I want something where it feels homey. You want a couch you can sit on. Mm-hmm. It, you don't want a table that you have to be like, don't put your, cu-, you know, your cup down. Like, you want it to be a home that people can use. So I think it's transitional with a little twist of, I like modern. I do like that beachy flair. I think it depends on who I'm working with as well and what they want, but my style would range more towards transitional. And then this is always a, another question that we ask everyone. When you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Clueless. What? No idea. Really? You had no, no like, nothing. not even, oh, I want to, oh, that looks fun. I'll do that. Not when I was younger, but when I was in middle school, mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be an FBI agent. <laughs> Because of a forensic week that a forensic week that we had at school, and it was the best week ever. <laughs> I always thought I was going to be like secret FBI. You certainly CSI. went another way. <laughs> I went to the yeah more artsy yeah end of it. But if I had the brain for it, I think I would have done something in criminal mm. criminal justice. Well, on that note, totally different. <laughs> Where can people find your work? So and contact you and find you. So my Instagram is the letter A and then Sloan, S-L-O-A-N, design. I believe there's a period between A and (laughs) Sloan, but I'm not quite sure. Pregnancy (laughs) brain. And my website is asloandesign at gmail.com. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my email. My website is asloandesign.com. We're going to end it with a question we're going to ask everyone on this podcast. What is something you are undecided about? What I'm undecided about? Where am I go? Where should we live forever? Oh, that's a We just a good bought one. a home, but we don't know. We love Europe and we love where we California. are now. No. no. What? <laughs> don't do <laughs> it. Natalie girl, and I already said no. California is going to shit right now. Yeah. So. Get out while you can. Where we want to reside, where we would retire. Do you think it would be far away, but would you ever consider moving to Europe? My husband would love to. Really? At least if we could do something, we would love to do half the year there, half the year here, Mm -hmm. especially if we both have flexibility with work. Um, Hmm. I'll be your live-in nanny. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. I'll be your uh, interior design photographer. Perfect. Let's go. (laughs) Wow. We both got jobs. Let's Let's do it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.